Welcome to the now playing Halloween retrospective series. Only trying to give America a good show. Hosted by Stuart. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up. Arnie. I prayed that he would burn in hell, but in my heart, I knew that hell would not have him. And Brock. One must remember not to be fooled by his calm, unassuming facade. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Due to the current release of Rob Zombie's new Halloween movie, H2, we will be watching and reviewing all of the films in the Halloween series. These eyes will deceive you. A warning, these conversations will be spoiler-filled, and as the movies are R-rated, there may be some objectionable language. Every other word you say is either hell or shit or damn. Trick or treat, motherfucker! Today we're talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Eight more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Eight this more is days Brock. Till Halloween, Silver Go. Shamrock. Eight more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Eight more days till Halloween, Silver Shamrock. We can do this all day, all day. <laughs> you should see the snakes coming out of my face right now. This is Brock Coles now playing. Uh, Stuart, I'm in L.A., I think. Artie, and I'm not in Haddonfield anymore. No, we definitely aren't. We're somewhere in California. Yeah. So I just got to tell you, so um, if you ever listen to any other Vinconza Media podcast like Star Wars Action News, which Arnie hosts with his wife, every Halloween around this time, Arnie sings the Silver Shamrock song. And I have no idea why. Not a clue. (laughs) So I'm watching this movie and the Silver Shamrock comes on and I'm like, oh, really? And then it keeps coming on, and then it keeps coming on, and then it keeps coming on to the point where I thought it was, it was annoying as Elmo. Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! This is, this is... What a spooky ad campaign, though. A disembodied child's head morphs into a skull while this horrible Atari 2600 theme music plays on. Well, it's funny you should say Atari because I have in my notes here opening credits done by Atari. I mm-hmm. thought that was hysterically funny, the opening credits. So let's just make sure we start from the beginning here. So this movie is directed by a new guy, not new to the series, but new director for the series, Timely Lee Wallace. But it was Carpenter doing the music, if I'm correct. It was Carpenter. Okay. The title and the music is all that really goes with the Halloween theme. Well, all the movies have started with a shot of a pumpkin. True. The first two were jack-o'-lanterns, and here we get the video game pumpkin. <laughs> you know what? We can all laugh now, but there was nothing I enjoyed more than seeing graphics that looked like real. <laughs> things back in the age. Hey, it made Tron a success. Exactly. Well, sure. But Tron had a good plot. But <laughs> we're watching this thing, and you remember the beginning of Tim Burton's Batman, where they have like, you know, you're going through these caverns and things, and you think it's the Batcave, and it turns out to be the Bat symbol, right? Yes. So yes. they had the same kind of thing here with the Halloween pumpkin, and clearly I figured out what they were doing, and oh, so clever. Um, yeah. it's it, it wasn't that suspenseful. Frankly, it was a really boring opening sequence, regardless of the cool g- computer graphics of, hey, look 
look what we can do with our compute computers. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense why you even bother doing it now. Uh, it's just kind of a big waste of time. But I have to say right off the top that I'm very lucky in that when I, I am, again, the, first, the newbie to this series, I have never seen any of these movies before. While I was looking up for confirmation of Jamie Lee Curtis's horrid, horrid wig in Halloween 2, I happened to come across a sentence that said Halloween 3 is their first attempt at making this an anthology series like The Twilight Zone and it is not part of the Michael Myers series. Had I not known that little fact, I think I would have been in perennial WTF mode the entire time. <laughs> Which is to say that you weren't. Because I've seen the movie many times and I'm never not in that mode. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, maybe you're right. This is a movie full of anachronisms. I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot. But no, Michael Myers is nowhere to be found in this. This is a totally separate plot that apparently takes place in the real world as the characters are watching Halloween, the original movie, on TV several times. Right. And it's about an evil Halloween mask making company. And yet what bothers me is none of the masks they sell are the Michael Myers mask. It would have made perfect sense if one of their evil masks was the Michael Myers mask, but no, it's a witch, a pumpkin, and a skeleton. Now, I don't know about you guys, but in 1982, when this movie came out, all I wanted to be for Halloween was Yoda. So I think if they wanted the mask that all the kids were wearing, they needed to do Yoda, not the pumpkin. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to understand why it would have been a phenomenon. I thought the masks were cool. I'm not going to knock the masks. I thought they were cool. I don't see, with the incessant commercial jingle and all of that, I'm still not convinced an entire nation would put on those masks and watch a strobing pumpkin <laughs> on Halloween to see the big giveaway, as it's referred to. The whole you know, premise of this movie is built on the idea that America is duped by uh, advertising to buy pre-made Halloween masks, not homemade Halloween masks, and watch TV. But they had these masks that I think the, the, the commercial kind of had the witchcraft in it to make the kids and the family want those masks so badly. That's the impression I got. I never got that. I never got that. Having seen this movie oh. at least 20 times, I have never okay. gotten that. I just took it as, you know, we talked about in, I think, the first Halloween podcast, how quaint it was to have a neighborhood like the one where Stuart and I grew up. Here, is there anything more quaint than having three TV stations? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody watching the same thing. Yeah, true. yeah, yeah. Early in the movie, they have the father come with the mask to give the kids, and the kids already have their masks. They put their masks on early and watch the TV set with the masks on. What kind of kid watches TV with a mask on? I did. And then they make it. In the, well, they make it later on in the in the, in the movie that it makes sense why they're doing it. But at the first, I was <laughs> like, "What the hell?" No, I used to do that all the time because we'd get my Halloween costume, and I'd be so excited to have a Halloween costume. I would sit around the house all day in that costume watching TV through the mask. Really? All right. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I guess that makes sense for you. For me, I didn't do that. I had my Halloween costume on. <laughs> On Halloween. But. There's a lot of things we could discuss about this movie. It's hard to have an entry point, given that it has no real context with the previous two Halloween movies. I will say this before I say a lot of negative things. 
<laughs> the, the, the one thing that this movie gets right and gets very, very right is the idea that there was nowhere else to go with the Michael Myers storyline. There was nothing new to do there. They needed to move on. I totally support the idea that we need to just make this about all, uh, all the different things that Halloween could mean. And, and an escape lunatic is just one aspect of many ways that you could approach this season. Okay, Stuart, you play the part of it. Let's do some role playing. Yes. You be the studio executive. I will be pitching you the idea for Halloween 3. Yes. Instead of a crazed killer, we're yes. going to have Irish people. <laughs> Yes. And, and Halloween, what are you thinking of more than a shamrock? And they're going to steal a rock from Stonehenge and use particles of Which that rock. Which is not in Ireland, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and they're going to use particles of that rock to make masks. That no, when they no to- only if it works with computers, because computers is what the kids like. So make sure it's got a computer chip and a Stonehenge rock in it. <laughs> Do that and I love it. I, all I'm thinking is of Spinal Tap with the mini Stonehenge. <laughs> it's, it was hard for me to understand how, why it couldn't just be a computer thing. Like, why couldn't it just be a computer chip that did this to you? If that's the way, and it was the 80s, computers were terrible. They did horrible things. You know, they controlled everything. They war games start nuclear war and Superman, Superman 3. 3. They turn a woman into a robot and Superman has to fight her. And I mean, I understand that computers were going to be our total annihilation. So, all right, you put a microchip in a mask and it's going to kill all the children. How the heck does that work with a chipped off rock from Stonehenge that they somehow flew to Southern California? And even they know that's ridiculous. They have the guy going, you wouldn't believe what it took to get that here. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> yeah, try me. I, this is going to be good. This is going to be better than anything else you're going to say today. Tell me. How does yeah. that work? And I never noticed until this time watching it that at the very beginning, there's a news article. How did the rock go missing from Stonehenge? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they were very defensive about knowing that that was a weakness of their other otherwise, uh, you know, rock solid storyline. That... And so oh, hold on. Let me let me continue my pitch. All right. Oh, I, I, already, I already bought it and the sequel. But go ahead. Yes. The hero is a doctor. <laughs> yeah. A doctor who's a sex addict and a drunk. <laughs> Can we talk about Tom Atkins for a second? Because I need to. Why is this man the star of this movie? I know that he was in The Fog, which Carpenter had made. They might have had a good relationship. But he seems like the crustiest, nastiest. <laughs> like, I, he had bad breath, and he's in behind a movie screen. You know what I mean? Like, the man just stinks. You look at him, and he looks like he's on a five-day bender. Like, it's just, it's terrifying to me. He's much scarier than anything <laughs> goblin, ghoul, or witch you could do. It's just like, do not let this man around children. It's awful. And all I could think of is, you know, when there's that scene where he and the daughter of the dead man, who he's investigating this with her in the hotel room, and he's oh, like, yeah. I'll sleep in the car. And she's like, where do you want to sleep? <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> You're going there? I know. Where do you want to sleep, Miss Dr. Chalice? I'm unbelievable. I, mm-hmm. I want you to sleep in a chastity belt right now and, and run for your life because I don't want to see that sex scene. I would rather put on a mask and have spiders and snakes shoot out of my face than to watch that scene again. Horrible. You know, and they horrible. like have sex three times in the night. Oh, oh. oh 
and graphically, oh. her kissing her in places that oh. I don't want to see him kissing her in. I don't. Yeah, she was hot, but he was skeezy. Oh well, my you god! Know, speaking speaking of Tom Atkins and and him skeezy and her, I felt that him being cast in the lead and her being the lead actress, it felt very TV movie ish to me. It felt like if this was on TV around Halloween, like a Halloween story on TV. I actually be okay with a lot of the stuff going on. But the fact is a theatrical release connected to the Halloween series makes no stinking sense. How could this thing reeks of television movie in so many ways, including the casting and the bad, terrible acting? I have to say, I, this is the kind of guy that you know his face, but you don't know where you've seen him. And when you look I at his credits, I've seen him before. He was like the, the manager of my elementary school cafeteria, you know, <laughs> and he was drunk then. <laughs> Like that is he's like the guy that's around children that shouldn't be, you know. That's who he is. Apparently the female Lee was married to Barry Bostwick for a while. I looked her up. That's her yeah. claim to fame. I'd never seen her before since I don't know where I lo- know this girl from either, but she's got that familiar face. Yeah. She looks a lot like the girl from Greece too. But... She could have been one of those uh women dancing around with Robert Palmer in that video too. She's it's she's possible. got that look, you know what I mean? Like sure. she just needed her pull her hair back and she would have been one of those sisters. I'm not really all that hip on all the signals and things but there's one thing I noticed and I had to end up googling this is that <laughs> through the entire movie that main character who'd you say the actor was? Tom, Tom Atkins, Atkins yeah. has a hanky hanging out of his left pocket yes. in the back and I'm looking that up <laughs> because I thought that was like a gay symbol and it is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you went there. What color was the handkerchief? I don't even remember this. Blue. Because that will tell you a lot. I don't know what blue means. <laughs> and then I found out other signals are like if you have a scarf tied on one side or the other. And at some point, Ellie, when you first meet Ellie, she's got a scarf tied around her neck with the knot <laughs> on one side. And so I'm like Googling, is the director gay? Is the actor gay? I'm what sure the costume on? people were having some fun. They probably <laughs> knew better than anyone what a terrible movie they were making and they figured why not tie one on literally <laughs> but yeah okay. that was i was like why is he got a hanky in the back of his pocket finally he punches an android and gets orange juice on his hand and he starts wiping it off with the hanky and i'm like they really set that hanky up hours ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, the first thing I remember about this that really stuck out was the, the how awful a dad this guy is. Because yes. he comes home, he brings these masks the kids don't want, and the dialogue and the terrible indicating acting by the two actors in that scene, the, the, him and the wife, uh, ex-wife, clearly said, we are divorced. Well, first of all, that wife was Annie from the first Halloween movie. Yes, what? I didn't pick that up. Uh, yeah, yes. that's true. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. Same right. actress, anyway. It's not right. Annie, the character. Because she's of course. dead. Because she's dead. Exactly. Right. And so then the rest of the movie, he calls his wife and cancels on his children, like, at least two more times. And I'm like, what a horrible guy. And uh, so why have this guy be the guy that we're supposed to feel sympathy for and would go along this whole story for when they're clearly setting up to be a jackass? Well, this is a redemption story. I mean, he's a drunk, a womanizer, and a bad father. But he can save Halloween from the Irish. 
Yes. <laughs> now, you know, you're talking about that scene with the wife. Personally, I felt that was the least realistically written children ever. Is they grab the mask, which just happened to be hidden Behind in this very clean yeah. living room, but they stowed the masks right there. They then dance in synchronicity and then say, "Let's watch TV." Okay, I've never seen two kids agree to do something quiet that quickly. <laughs> It's usually like, no, I want to play pinball, TV, pinball, yeah. TV, pinball. Yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> Only okay. TV and movies do children like that exist. I agree. I agree. Oh, but you know I... what? The the divorce was becoming sort of a cliche at that point in history. You know, we're a couple of years past Kramer versus Kramer. And it was just sort of a very common scenario at that point. The divorced dad who isn't there and the nagging wife. And it's just a very everything about these introductory scenes just feel like, OK, I, this could have only been made in the span of like three years between 1981 and you know like 85 at the most like there's that window where the, the computer graphics the divorce all of it it's just really reminding me of uh, an 80s period I'd rather forget frankly what's funny is the first couple times I watched this because she has like the same last name I got that they were like separate I didn't get that they were divorced and I thought he was cheating on her and I thought that was really bold of the movie but now I see they're divorced and it's not as bulldog. No, no, they're definitely divorced, and that does give him free reign to, to have at it with the, that the girl that <laughs> he girl needs. girl 30 years younger than he is. Yes. Good work if you can get it. Yes. And who is traumatized because her father is missing and, and needs to vent by having a, a daddy dog. figure. Yeah, yeah. stooping <laughs> her own daddy. Well, that ties into the thieves of the previous Halloween with Michael and impaling his sister. Uh, yes, um, exactly. It, we can, we can, can write if that. If you want it to, yes. yes. It doesn't, I don't think they intended that at all. <laughs> no. But then, you no. know what? There are trace elements of, of the Halloween movies in this one. I mean, you start off and there are these men in suits that are you know something is different about them they have superhuman strength and they don't talk and they're they're kind of like the stand-ins for michael you know what i mean they're like sort of the michael myers characters in this series and then the whole thing is about masks well we know that masks are a big part of how michael identifies and dissociates from his crime so in some ways there's like these every now and then i would get this taste in my mouth when i wasn't gagging uh, <laughs> that it was in fact some spiritual cousin to Halloween for a while for a while I was feeling like okay they're exploring the very root of the holiday and it's I don't know uh, I can't explain it but it does feel like for a while there they had me thinking that maybe just maybe they could pull this cockamamie story off you know those robot guys who were killing people I didn't know what they were for really long time obviously because they didn't really reveal it or even give hints that they were robotic until you get to the factory later on so i have here i was thinking maybe their powers are that they turn people into rubber masks because <laughs> i like it i'll buy that yes <laughs> because it was so clearly not the same people 
I, I didn't understand how he killed the guy in the hospital. And then that's why I'm like, well, maybe he turns him into rubber. You know, I, I, honestly, <laughs> it, it was that bad a mask. And then they had the lady later on who gets her face burned off in the hotel room, which was, I mean, even for the time, was pretty shoddy. <laughs> no, I mean, it was <laughs> accurate for the time. Remember, Terminator came out two years after this. Yeah, yeah but Terminator, he was moving. Terminator, he had uh, half of that, either it was robotic or half of it was on his face for part of the time, right? This one it was just a still mask when the bee <laughs> came out of her mouth. It wasn't a person in a mask. It was a rubber <laughs> dummy. Well, a person doesn't want to put a bee in their mouth. <laughs> it looked, uh, yeah, it looked much worse than in those other movies I've seen where people get their face shot off and have insects fly out of their face. <laughs> um, no, it's a testament to the bug nuts quality of this story that if your version is what happened, that there were wizards walking around turning people into rubber, it wouldn't be any more wrongheaded than the story we do get. So, okay, I'll go with that, Brock. Sure. They were wizards walking around in suits, turning people into rubber. It always bothered me that this is the season of The Witch, because it's a guy. Isn't a guy a warlock? Yes, yeah, well, if that's your biggest problem with this movie, you, you must have uh, gotten through okay. So they go to they go to investigate the origin of the masks because the father whatever and and they go and they pose as a married couple and they go to this town and they set up that they brought all this, their own people into the factory they didn't use a town folk with the drunk guy who get later gets obviously gets killed for telling telling the tale of the town and they set up these other people at the hotel who are clearly just going to get killed eventually including a a father a son and a wife the biggest salesman of the year all that kind of stuff so they set all these characters up that we completely don't care about. About to get us to the Silver Sham Rock Factory, where we see, you know, basically Goldfinger telling us the entire plot of his whatever. Now, that actor is somebody who, when I'm watching this, I'm like, I know that voice. He was at Robocop at Robocop 2 as the old man in charge of the Robocop company. You're his talking name, about the, uh, what's his Dan name? Dan O'Hearly. No, but what's this character's name? Cochran? Yeah. Connell Cochran. You're saying Connell Cochran is in Robocop? Yeah, he's the old man. Isn't that Ronnie Cox? No, no. Ronnie Cox is working for the old man. This oh. is the old man. He's in RoboCop and RoboCop 2. You're right. I now I now recall this. I had a sense memory that I, I had seen him before. And you know what? I kind of liked him. Yeah. Given how much I hated every other actor <laughs> in this movie, his performance was like the one I could kind of go with. It had sort of a wry sort of, uh, you know, it's hammy for sure. But oh, it, yeah. it was, when, you, when you're digging for something in a mound full of horsemen, uh, <laughs> this one I could probably wash off and eat. I'm not sure anything else is digestible. The guy in the beginning, the guy, old man, the father who was running away from the androids, I thought he was very convincing. Of course, he didn't talk, but I got mm -hmm. that he... Yeah, you know, I really believed he wanted to die and get out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course, the android getting killed by being crushed by two cars was a slow-moving car. I just, uh... I really want to know when it was decided that all androids must be super strong. Because, you yeah. know, I understand that you can have a robotic arm that's very strong, but that robotic arm is usually mounted to something of great weight to give it leverage. Sure. Right. Um, the androids were um, very kind of, maybe the Matrix kind of pulled something from here, too. Uh, all guys in suits. Oh, I'm sure. So. Matrix ripped all of this off. That's, that's <laughs> the Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah. So they the got computers, all of it. The computers. The whole idea, the idea. computer <laughs> and the thing. Yeah, it's just totally And these the computers Matrix. were uh, right out of James Bond, you know, right out of Whopper. 
They were out of Star Wars, let's face it. I mean, they were just a bunch of Christmas lights. lights. Yeah, 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 lights lights. on a a metal board, pretty much is what they are. And and so one of my favorite parts of this movie, a laugh out loud moment for me was they're in the factory and the guy says, this mask isn't finished, it hasn't gone through final processing yet. And (laughs) they ask, hey, what's final processing? And they, oh, it's just, you know, industry secrets, whatever. And then they they show Tom Atkins looking at a door, the sign clearly marked final (laughs) processing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's in the Batcave all of a sudden. And I just Mm -hmm. could not believe it's such a secret, but it it happens in here. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about this factory really makes sense. There's a a Willy Wonka quality to this this tour in that since we get the sense that Cochran's leading these these people, these rubes who we just hate, uh, through all of this and they're seeing the mask making and we know that he's got ulterior motives. We know that they're all going to meet a bad end with the exception of the quote-unquote hero. But at no point does it believably feel like it's a factory that's servicing an entire country with a popular mask. No, because first of all, they're still making the masks yes. on Halloween Eve. Yes. I'm like, and I'm like, they're, they're not taking orders for next year because they no. know that right. by next year everyone will be dead. So why are they still making the masks? You probably have trouble selling a, sh- a silver shamrock mask next year after oh, all yeah. the children's faces have exploded into cockroaches. And also, how could they make so many masks all by hand? There was no machines. They were manually pouring latex into a mold. Well, when the hands are robot hands, I guess. Were they all <laughs> robots? I was yeah. confused. They're all robots. Or were some of them just r- Irish people? <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to know, the you know between an Irishman and a robot. Some of them were redheaded, so perhaps they were Irish robots. <laughs> I love how I'm they not justify to be racist. I'm just saying. I love how a they justify that he has the ability to make these robots because he made his fortune by novelty woodworking mm-hmm. Geppetto like figures. <laughs> right. I, I love how they did that. They try to justify everything in the movie with with the Stonehenge, with with the robotics. It's so funny that the screenplay tries to make it all make sense. There is some kind Kind of thread being carried from druids worshiping at Stonehenge to a manufacturer of a whoopee cushion and x-ray glasses having the know-how to build a workforce of unstoppable androids to steal <laughs> to steal Stonehenge rocks <laughs> carve them up put them in a computer microchip that will then be inserted onto a mask that every child in the nation will buy and then tune in at the same time, even as if there was no such thing as a time zone. Everyone's (laughs) 9 o'clock the same, (laughs) and they will all watch a strobing pumpkin until said microchip, with the aid of the druid rock, will produce killer snakes and cockroaches and spiders that will then kill everyone else in the room who was not wearing the mask. I, I don't even understand the point. Is the point just to sacrifice and just however many we can get, we get, but there's no grander plan. It's just a sacrifice for the Stonehenge God. One wonders what Cochrane would have done on November 1st. 
<laughs> you know, like, how do you top that? Are you just going to go out to every turkey and put in some poison? The turkey, or... the turkey baster. The turkey baster yeah. will pop up and release some gas. <laughs> I mean, how, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving and Christmas? I don't, I really don't know how or why. I can only presume that it's a ritual, a druid ritual, child sacrifice, and that through the sacrifice, something pagan and cathartic is reached. They did say did say that it's obviously real because the stonehenge rock glows blue when they play the shamrocks <laughs> so obviously if a big rock can glow blue it's real yeah it was it was real and All you right. know what I kept thinking of during that? Do you guys remember like the Time Life mystery series from the 80s? Mysteries of the Unknown. And like there was a guy who took a coat hanger and bent it and pointed it at Stonehenge and got an electric shock. No, I don't remember. That was wow. one of the big things from the Time Life book is, is it true that a man with a wire indicator pointed it at Stonehenge and was shocked? Read the book. No, the one I remember <laughs> is a sister lives across the country from her sister and she falls. Her sister feels it from across the country. It's in the, that's I remember. They did explain the sacrifice thing. They said it was a tradition of their people to sacrifice children and animals. But why? Yeah, that's the people that aren't. That's the people that aren't going to last. Just speaking (laughs) Darwinianly, if you kill all your children, you aren't going to have any more people. Well, yes, that is true. It it is survival of the fittest. The children who can avoid this grow up. Let's talk about the big surprise. The kid puts the mask on, watches the shambles shamrock. He collapses, turns into snakes and bugs. Which kill people. It was really gruesome. I, I, I gotta thinking- say, even when I saw this as a kid, and I knew at the kid, there was at no point that I ever think this movie was good. That moment was still very, very upsetting. Watching yeah. another child become sick watching TV programming, and then the snakes and, and stuff coming. That it's really about how his head just collapses. His it's head like, just like he just bursts. lays down and like it's whole. It's just like a rotting pumpkin. It just goes yeah, <laughs> in exactly. time lap. It just collapses and you're just like it's 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 icky i'll give him that that it's part disturbing was very and disturbing that, yeah. that is really sick and i don't know about you guys but if i had those big masks right and that gigantic silver shamrock thing in the back the first thing i would do is pull that stupid tag off and indeed like a- there is another saleswoman who's there for her order and right. is fiddling with it and that and she's the one that gets a whole laser shot in her face and her teeth burned off or whatever i'm yes. i'm not really sure the the technology has, has been left to, to, without explanation to say the least yes. how this all worked. when i didn't know what was going to happen with the mask i figured something you know, the big event whatever what i thought they were going with this is there's a great episode of buffy the vampire slayer which i is one of my favorite of all of this entire series of that there was a magical spell cast on this halloween shop that if you bought a halloween costume once they you know encant the spell or whatever you turn into what you're dressed as. So if you're a ghost, you become a real ghost. Or like Buffy the Vampire, so this tough chick was dressed as a, a Southern Belle, so she became a, a Southern Belle and couldn't fight the evil. And I swear I thought they were going with this. I thought they were going to have these kids turn into goblins and witches and and skeleton, you know, a, a evil little beings. That would have been better than what we got. Yeah, yeah, and so all these kids are running around the neighborhoods 
just freaking out, destroying, looting, killing. It, it would make much more sense that they would have that power over them and then they're able to turn it off and the kids are okay because they were possessed. To, and that's where I thought they were going with this because why wouldn't they? It makes a lot of sense to be entertaining to watch kids wreak havoc. Instead, they murder the children by turning them into things that we all are creeped out by, bugs and snakes and the like. And I just find that choice, whoa, what kind of sick person even thinks that? It was. I'm glad they went there, you know? I give them props because so many movies don't go there. This was kind of in the tradition at this point of Pet Cemetery, the Stephen King book about the guy whose son gets killed and comes back to life as a horrible demon. And, you know, it's, I say, you know, that's the one thing this movie did is it had balls enough to do it. I thought for sure the kid wouldn't die because the kid never dies. Right. And the fact that the movie went there is one of the few creative choices I can agree with. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you to a certain level. If you were making a sadistic horror movie, the fact that they are willing to posit a premise in which every child in this country is going to rot and just turn into writhing poisonous animals, that's horrific and ballsy. To attach that to a campy story, it's like uh, there's no sense of tone here. Like what, what they were going for should have been something with a more sense of humor. I mean, you cannot make this movie, and they did, unfortunately, straight-faced. I mean, you, you, you need to wink at the audience. You need to let them know that you know this is absurd. I mean, isn't the overall moral that TV rots your kids' brains? I, do I, I don't know that there's any moral here, but I do feel like that is a, a component to the thinking is that because everyone's addicted to television and computers and, and Halloween has gotten so commercialized that therefore that's reason enough that they should all die because they don't know the real history of Halloween. I think. I think that that's Cochran's <laughs> point. I'm yeah. not sure he really has one. But he's definitely, the actor is definitely kind of winking and enjoying his role of benevolence. He's not like a scary, scary dude. He's not scary in the way that Michael Myers is scary. He is a Willy Wonka. You know, there's something up his sleeve. You know that he uh, has bad intentions, but he's smiling at you as he's doing it. And mm -hmm. I don't think in the scene in which we watch a small child convulse, fall to the ground, rot, and then snakes come out, that that is in the same spirit. That to me suddenly feels like, okay, this is some ugliness and it has no place in this campy Halloween story. It just felt too cruel for the rest of the movie. That's a good point. But by the same token, I mean, the whole point of a horror movie in its most basic form is to scare you. And if killing children gets the reaction from the audience that it got from Brock, you know, in a better movie, in a, in a more well-realized movie, then it would have done its job. Well, look, you know, this, is ha this has happened in reality. I mean, you may remember about 10 years ago. There were really masks that turned kids' heads into snakes. <laughs> you don't remember that? The power Halloween? of Stonehenge? You couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere with without stepping on a snake or a cricket. <laughs> it was awful. No, there was Pokemon, and then all these kids had to be rushed to the hospital in Japan because they sat too close to the television set, and the strobing caused them to have seizures. True. Do you know what I mean? 
But that's a little yeah. different. A little different. Well, Look, obviously, not all of this is, is reality-based. But I'm saying if you wanted not, to kill not a all bunch of, of children. <laughs> not all of it. Which parts of it are? Children. All I'm saying, if you wanted to kill a bunch of children, you wouldn't have to worry about stealing a rock from Stonehenge and going through all these crazy machinations to get there. You could just – couldn't they just put a signal in the TV signal and make everyone fall over and have a stroke? I mean – if you want, if your intention is just to sacrifice, you want to punish people because they're watching TV, which seems to be the major thread there. You could do that without all this other stuff. It's a mess of a movie, really, in the end. It's just, it's a whole lot of unrealized bad ideas. It feels like a lot of different movie references at once, too. I mean, uh, the the androids and the goop and their super strength all reminded me of Ian Holmes' character, Ash and Alien. The whole setup of investigating the mystery is based on this wacky pagan movie you, you guys may or may not be familiar with called The Wicker Man. They remade it recently. It's yeah. Talk about a bug nut. Wasn't that Steven Seagal? No, uh, Nicholas Cage was in the remake but it was christopher oh. lee right in the original you're thinking of the glimmer man arnie okay it's the wicker man <laughs> yes no the wicker man and it's it, yeah originally it was a christopher lee thing and it, it, basically it was about a man from the lay world from the christian world coming into a pagan society and being horrified by all their pagan rituals and being ensnared in them and this one sort of has the same kind of quality in that they're they're coming in and he's finally learning that the, these are druids and that they're that this is some kind of ancient practice being given a 1980s computer TV spin. The detective aspect of it more came across to me more like an episode of Knight Rider or something <laughs> that you had a guy unassuming guy investigating this with a girl because the girl asks him to help. Uh, it doesn't make any sense why this guy so, is the guy investigating it. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, he's a doctor, not a police officer. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, like, why would Michael Knight be the guy helping the chick out, but he is every fucking week? So, <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. And, and Michael Knight, who works for the Foundation for Law and Government, so he has more of a reason than this drunken womanizing doctor. And he has a cool car who could help him. But that's beside the point. It just, it's, but always the plot is like it doesn't really matter why he's helping her. He just is, so he's there, and it just whatever. Look. This whole thing, I understand the premise of the movie to be a Halloween story in, you know, there are many Halloween stories we can tell. And the anthology aspect, the idea of it could work if it was a television show. This whole thing, as I said before, reeks of a television movie. If this was an episode of a television series and they toned back the killing, the plot could work maybe as a 40-minute episode or something, you know? But not an hour and a half of a major feature film with these this disparate elements. Let's talk about the ending. If you want to talk about an insane end way to end this movie, it doesn't make any sense. The way they set the whole movie up, they have that ending. Do you agree? Which part of the ending are you discussing specifically? Uh, the major climax of the film is another film lift. One of my favorite horror movies, actually, is the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's great. It's the best one. It's better than the original. Uh, but But it ends in a factory with the people thinking that they are going to be able to blow up the factory and stop it and he escapes with the girl only to find the girl has become a pod person and she nearly kills him and it ends on a sour note which I won't spoil because we're not going to blow every ending of every horror movie <laughs> but they totally lift it for this movie. I mean, just right It was quite obvious the girl was an android when she was rescued. Uh, I, what? I agree. There was are you no kidding me? 
She didn't say a word. She was running. the. Why was she still there in the whole thing the whole time? I don't understand why she was still alive. Oh, it makes no sense. But yes. I also didn't understand why the Irish guy was explaining his whole plot to the doctor yeah, instead of just killing him. It's the Bond yeah. villain. Yeah, and he was there captured, and he was going to get killed with the rest of the kids. When this special thing happened, he was going to turn to bugs. Also, they were going to kill him, too. Why not just put a bullet in his head or have an android rip his eyes out like the other people? And turn him into a rubber mask. The girl was running, and she... <laughs> She was, I think she said something in the car, didn't she? Or she looked at him. Nope, not a word. But then she didn't She didn't turn into robot. She didn't go into robot mode. She she looked at him and she wasn't like evil looking or even acting until she turned, quote unquote. There's no way he could have told that. I mean, isn't I didn't well, make any they, sense. They withhold it. I hear your point, Brock. You think that that's cheating by not dropping a, a, a hint. I mean, the best way of being surprised is to have it under your nose, and then all of a sudden. The fact of the matter is they wanted to have that shock, you know, but, of, but oh, Stuart, oh, she's one of them. They didn't establish that. They didn't say these guys were guys that were turned into androids. Well, it was it was an android that looked like her. They didn't turn her into anything. Okay, my point exactly is that they had time to make a female android that looked exactly like her. You see what I'm saying? I understand. Well, they were they weren't making any more masks at that point. They'd finished the mask making. So oh, they had an hour before because. <laughs> I'm just saying that, yes, all these things can be true, and Brock, why are you taking it so seriously? Because they didn't establish that they can make people, robots, look like anybody they want to. All the robots pretty much looked the same. If they, if this was made today, and they had CGI, I bet you all those guys would look exactly the same. It'd be like the Oompa Loompas in the remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the same damn actor all over the place. But since that's impractical, they all sort of look the same, in the same build, the same suit, etc. So all of a sudden, they're able to make an android of this chick like that like in what five hours that's all i'm saying it didn't even drop a hint let's get to the heart of the matter let's get let's cut to the chase all right who was on drugs and what drugs (laughs) (laughs) i'm guessing cocaine obviously there was a lot of pot use there's there's got to be some LSD going on as well. I, and I'm serious. This is a movie out of control on drugs. I mean, this is, you know, like the commercial, this is drugs, this is your brain on drugs. Don't show the egg frying. Show the pumpkin flashing because this shit is bug nuts. It's bug nuts. You have to be high to see this. I mean... Hi! It is crazy. It's crazy filmmaking. They don't make major motion pictures like this. You know what I mean? Like there is a quality control. You know that they, they just someone reads the script, it gets a stamp, veto. No, like this just doesn't. This kind of movie doesn't get delivered. It's only in a rare instance, and one wonders. I know that Universal released Halloween 2, and then they passed on the option of making Halloween 3 because they didn't see the profitability, and, and neither do I. <laughs> but who said yes? You know, who said yes, we'll let John Carpenter do it because we want whatever John Carpenter is doing? And I know he didn't make the movie, but his, his name is on. Can I share something with you? 
I bought the novelization of this. I wanted to go see it. My brother saw it. He wouldn't talk about it. He just kept saying it was so bad and he wouldn't take me. And I was very upset. So I demanded to read the novelization. What Um, was that like? (laughs) Well, I was young and I just remember feeling that it was very weird. I kept waiting for Michael Myers to appear. I kept feeling that, like, like you had implied, that at some point they were going to make the mask that he wears and he would come out and start killing them. And I couldn't ever understand why that never happened. I don't think I finished the book, actually. I don't think I finished it. I think an opportunity missed here would be an army of men in Michael Myers' outfits. Yep. It, you know, I think that's where they should have gone with it is they made that mask and, you know, be it the actual in-universe with the other Halloweens where, you know, it's just a mask you could buy or make it out of universe like they did where Halloween was a big hit movie, but yet, hey, we're selling the Halloween mask and it's going to turn you evil. Not using the shapes mask was a was a big missed opportunity to tie into the franchise. Yep. I could only assume that they really wanted to distance themselves as far but as But then they why could. did they put the movie in there? I thought the same thing. But if they were trying to distance themselves from it, why did they have all the people watching Halloween? Well, that's my true. wife said the Silver Shamrock commercial that's going to kill everyone at nine o'clock or midnight if you're on the East Coast. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, all the children are going to be up at midnight to watch it. That's right. They're airing that the television version of the Halloween show. That's now, true. My wife said that the commercial for the Michael Myers movie, this is the time in the movie where the audience is told, Michael Myers isn't in this one. Get over it. Yeah. And I think it's a very good point. Like, they showed it there to say he is a fictional character in this movie, not a real one. The best part of the movie for me was when they have Tom Atkins all tied up and he's having the mask. He's trying to fight it off and Halloween is on. And at least we have a portion of this movie scored to the classic Carpenter Halloween theme. Mm. At least that got some, you know, the eerie vibe of the music. I wish they'd reuse the whole score instead of just saying this piece is watched, you know, during the movie. Yeah, that was my favorite part, too, because it meant I didn't have to look at Tom Atkins. I don't <laughs> wish he wore that mask during the sex scene. All right. <laughs> so uh, did she. Okay, so, so I think we've exhausted this one. Uh, Stuart and Arnie, I'm only asking because we always ask at the end of the podcasts. Stuart, do you recommend Halloween 3 Season of the Witch? Well, obviously, I don't think it is a good movie. The question that is still nagging at me is, is it bad enough to recommend? Which is, if you are fascinated by train wreck off the rails, <laughs> terrible films. Is this an essential viewing? And I would argue yes. If you need to see how bad it can get, I rarely have ever seen a series go this awry. Like I said, it it seemed coming off a, a pretty good second installment. Why they had to go this low, this quick, is is mystifying to me. I can appreciate the fact that they they went for the brass ring and they really lunged to do something different and creative and wacky and out there. But my God, it's it's just one of the most awful things you'll ever see. And if that's appealing to you, have at it. So you're claiming it's so bad it's good. I think so. 
Arnie. Let me just say that Rock said earlier in the podcast that every year I sing the Silver Shamrock song. And that's because every year I watch this movie. But what? Yeah. Wow. It's oh always God. on like AMC or something around Halloween. And more than any of the Michael Myers films, I'm drawn to this one because of its hokey computers and its <laughs> silly songs and its bug-ridden I, children. I'm gonna throw Tom Atkins on your ass. <laughs> Turn it off! Turn it off! But let me tell you what happened with this podcast. Yeah, this is not It's a Wonderful Life, Arnie. <laughs> no. You, I, I, I refuse to accept that every Halloween you gather around the TV set well, and watch Let me say, though, movie. I always watch this every year, but I'm usually doing something else. I'm mm. like, you know, it, it's on. It's noise while I clean the room or hand out candy to kids or talk on the phone. For this podcast, it's the first time, I think, ever that I forced myself to sit and stare at the screen for the full 90 or 100 minutes. And my God, was it painful. It was so painful that the first time I was watching it, I realized I'd let my mind drift for 20 minutes and I had to start over. And so, no, I, I cannot recommend this as anything more. The best part of this can be watched on YouTube, which is the Silver Shamrock ad and the voice going, look, look, you know, it, it's that is a camp classic. But beyond that, this is not a movie. I pity anyone who saw it in theaters, all five of you, because you were trapped alone in a room with this thing with no distraction. Okay, so <laughs> as far as me recommending this movie, um, I said before, if this movie was like an episode of Tales from the Crypt or even the Twilight Zone with this plot and this whole I think, I think I can go along with it more. The fact that it's an entire movie that it wasn't a TV movie, that this was on like a Halloween, like on like, I don't know, some cable channel, like Spike TV is not even a Halloween movie. It's like a movie about Halloween. I might actually like it more. The fact that it's tied into this series at all was really shocking to me. And honestly, I I, I knew it was coming. I just didn't realize, wow, I, I, this was such a, a, not only, it's not even nothing to do with Michael Myers. For me, the whole idea of a whole separate plot and then to see it executed so poorly in the writing and the acting and the directing, the whole nine. No, I cannot recommend this movie for anyone seriously wanting to see it. If you want a good, like, bad movie on, there are better bad movies out there, as Stuart has pointed out. Uh, do you need to see this for the Halloween series? Uh, maybe? Because I haven't seen the rest of the movies yet. I don't know, but I do know this. I'll be honest, it was discussed by Stuart and I that we might skip this one as part of the anthology. Are we doing the Halloween series or the Michael Myers series? Well, there you go. This is uh, an interesting experiment that did not work for this series or any other. And, you know, we, we watched Friday the 13th when there wasn't a Jason in it, even though they had Jason, but it wasn't Jason. This one doesn't even bother doing that. They have nothing to do with it. And it's just weird, weird movie. All right. So I want to thank you for all for listening to this episode of Now Playing. If you like what you heard, please go to our website at www.nowplayingpodcast.com and download other episodes in this series and our other retrospective series that we have there. And please go to iTunes and leave a review for us so other people like yourself can find us and listen as well. If you want to discuss this podcast or other podcasts in the Halloween series that we're doing, please go to our forums. You can find that link on our homepage. And you can send us an email at show at nowplayingpodcast.com and give us your thoughts on the movies and our podcasts. So I want to thank Stuart and Arnie for sitting through this again to discuss this with us for the series. Thanks, guys. 
three more days till Halloween. All right, all right, Halloween. and and we'll <laughs> and we'll come back when we visit Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. Yeah, at least it's not the return of the stone from Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys then. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Now Playing's Halloween Retrospective. It's all over, my friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can listen to our other installments, as well as our Friday the 13th, House of a Thousand Corpses, Terminator, and Star Trek Retrospective series at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production and is not affiliated with Compass International, Universal Pictures, Galaxy International Pictures, Dimension Films, Miramax Films, or The Weinstein Company. Michael Myers and all other Halloween characters and situations are copyright and trademarks of those companies and no infringement is intended. When was it just decided all robots are immensely strong and can crush skulls with their fingers? I don't know uh, when it was decided, but I do know it was a tradition continued in Small Wonder, the TV show, with <laughs> Vicky the robot. Oh, Vicky. Yeah, she's, she's a small, small wonder. <laughs> Lovely <laughs> and bright with soft curls. Uh, as our next podcast wonder. series is going to be Small Wonder and other syndicated a television shows. child like other girls. <laughs> She's a miracle. And I grant you, she'll wow. enchant you at first sight. She's a small... Yeah, okay. Okay, good for you, <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I just pulled that out of my ass. Now available sure. on DVD. All right, so um, let's continue. <laughs>